0: Hello, welcome Hello. to the podcast. Why is the skin brown? What, what, that what Who is Christopher Columbus? What happened? What, happened,
1: what is Juneteenth? Oh, all will please that.
0: What does freedom mean?
1: Hi, Emma. Hi, Gracie. Welcome, everyone, to Freedom Means.
0: Freedom Means is a podcast hosted by me, a Black woman, storyteller, and mother, Grace Aldridge. And me, a white preschool teacher, Emma Redden. We use this as a public practice space to model what conversations related to racism and colonialism could sound like with young children. Historically, this work has been unequally distributed to many Black and brown people who talk about race with their children in the hopes of keeping them more safe. We want to support that work and encourage white adults to take greater responsibility in a multiracial movement to identify and disrupt the racist stories that are entrenched in our collective imaginations from early childhood. In this scenario, a child asks his parent walking home from school, Why do we call Columbus Day Indigenous Day? Emma will go first being the adult, and I will begin as a black child. Why do we call Columbus Day Indigenous Day? Ooh, thank you for asking me that. I'm glad we're talking about Indigenous Peoples
1: Day. So I think one way to talk about it is that it's way more important to remember and celebrate that this land has been lived on and taken care of for thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Christopher Columbus got in a boat, got lost, and then really, really hurt people. He got lost? Yeah, Christopher Columbus was trying to sail to India and but he didn't have a l- lot of information about how the world was laid out and how the where the oceans were. And so Columbus sailed to what we now call the Bahama Islands and he thought that was India. So when he arrived, he actually didn't discover Anything like we have all these stories about how Christopher Columbus discovered this place we live in. And actually, he didn't discover anything. He, he landed at a place that he thought was someplace else. And then when he got there, he was extremely unsafe and unfair to the people who were really, really welcoming to him and generous to him. Why was he unsafe? What did he do? So Christopher Columbus stole people's bodies. He was looking for gold, and he didn't find any gold. And so he made a really, really unfair, dangerous decision, which was that he was going to take people back to
0: where he was from. Hmm. And why did he take them?
1: That is a really good question. I think he took people's bodies because he one thing that people's bodies can do is that they can work and sometimes people want other people to do work and they don't want to have to pay them any money or treat them fairly so sometimes people steal other people's bodies to make them work for free
0: that must have been really that sounds really unfair that must have been really upsetting like what How did they, did they fight? Hmm.
1: My guess is that people worked really hard to take care of themselves. And so if they thought that probably something really dangerous and violent was gonna happen to them, they probably made some decisions about how to try to protect themselves or keep themselves safe. But I don't exactly know if there was like a fight that happened. Thank you for asking me that. We should learn about that more.
0: Emma, how was that for you?
1: There's so many directions. There's so many like tentacles of this. I think one thing that I notice in how I responded is that I spent the whole time talking mostly about Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I feel torn about this sometimes because I think just like I think is true um when thinking about like understanding, dissecting, and dismantling whiteness, I think that Turning attention toward harm and turning attention toward really harmful stories and stories that are untrue to actually like reveal or or to re-narrate them truthfully is actually an essential piece of telling the truth to each other and to young people. I think it also operates as, like, keeping Columbus at the center when, in right. so many ways, the whole point of the question was, like,
0: actually, why are we centering another group of people than Columbus? Right. We didn't add a day. We didn't add a day. We we specifically replaced uh, Christopher Columbus Day with the Indigenous Peoples Day. So, yeah, it's hard to keep that balance. And And it's also, you know, I found in it the... The conversation that it is like um inconceivable of the the amount of you know horror and harm and you know you know me trying to <laughs> be a child and be like that sounds really upsetting is like not anything that an adult or a child would say like I feel and 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 so it, you do kind of lose language really quickly mm-hmm. when talking about such extreme extreme things Now, I will play the adult and will be myself a black woman, and Emma will play the role of the child.
1: Why do we call Columbus Day Indigenous
0: Day? Oh, that is a great question. There's a lot of important reasons why we've changed that holiday from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. When I grew up, it, we just had Christopher Columbus Day, and... Um, it changed, and that change was started by indigenous people. What is indigenous? Indigenous is a word that we use to describe people who have lived in an area a long, long time before colonization. So, in this land that we live on, right now we know it as New Hampshire. But before it was New Hampshire, before the European people came and settled in this area, it was um, Abenaki Territory, and Abenaki is the name of the tribe of um, people who were here for thousands and thousands of years.
1: Where are the Abenaki people now?
0: There are Abenaki people still here, and there are Abenaki people who live all up and down the the, in the northeast coast of the United States and there was something that happened that started with Christopher Columbus and one of the reasons why we wanted to support the holiday being changed to Indigenous Peoples Day was because Christopher Columbus did cause a lot of harm and there were a lot of people, you know, Europeans who used guns and diseases to kill indigenous people. Then when the people in South Dakota um, who were indigenous decided, you know, this celebrating this person makes us feel really unseen and unheard. And it's, you know, it makes us feel unsafe because he was the start of a lot of loss and grief. Where there are many, many indigenous people who were killed. They died from guns and diseases? Specifically, um, the European people who came to the Americas and um, what was called Turtle Island, and we can talk about that. But the Europeans came and they were not interested in sharing the land and they were not interested in sharing resources. And so they made choices to use guns and diseases to take the lives of indigenous people.
1: Okay, Grace, yeah. how did you feel
0: about that? I mean, it is super-duper hard to be concise. Uh, yeah, not only do, do we draw attention to... You know, the the celebrating, you know, colonialism and settlers with Christopher Columbus Day. It's like one specific person. And really, the the most accurate thing he represents is the beginning of genocide like cuz you know he wasn't even italian like i mean there's there's a lot of evidence to show that he might have been portuguese and he never actually knew or landed in the americas uh like uh, um or knew that you know the you know what the big landmass um beyond the bahama islands were or that they even existed so and he didn't know where he was going so yeah i think it it is very hard to convey that, like, he was really the start of a lot of loss and grief. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. For me, I think the piece that is the most sort of overwhelming to talk about in this is, like, the unbelievable scale Mm -hmm. of the devastation and the violence and the killing. Um, You know, you, you and I had a conversation earlier about, like, before we started this, thinking about what is the preschool word for genocide? And it's like, you know, it's like, I I feel that in my body, even asking that question. And I think you and I, our work is deeply, deeply influenced by an incredible childhood grief counselor named Jill McFarlane, who works at a grief center in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she offered language to us around defining murder as making a choice to make someone else's body stop working. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a pretty like transformational sentence for me to hear in my life. It really like opened up so many sort of directions for my mind to feel like it could go and thinking about having like scaling that up for my own heart and mind is extremely overwhelming and then thinking about like the language to scale like language like that up from an individual murder to the Mm -hmm. genocide of millions and millions of people
0: Mm -hmm. and i think that that should come with more of like a body practice you know of grief it's and the discussion requires or a pause and a body scan lets the children know that it's serious you know that it it is um it's a lot Yeah, as
1: I'm a white person and have, as you know,
0: but not everyone
1: (laughs) listening knows. um, Yeah, and I think one thing that has been lost, deeply lost for me, I think more on some sides of my ancestry or sort of parts of my lineage and others, but our practices around grief, I feel like, I'm still connected to some Jewish practices around grief that offer me a lot of comfort. And I think to various degrees, definitely not everyone, but many folks are living lives without, myself very much included, without like really meaningful practices around like, what do you do with this grief? Like, the grief is enormous. And what does it look like for ourselves, and what does it look like in our relationships with young people, to have, yeah, some real ritual around when the pain and when the confusion and the overwhelm comes up, yeah, like how do you sit with it,
0: right, and not just model it,
1: move on, you know,
0: yeah, sorry, sort of yeah, how to model it so Mm -hmm. that you know. child can see that it's okay as for grown-ups to feel grief without and still holding space for them so that they feel safe Mm -hmm. you know and um so that's why i think it is so important to practice these conversations because otherwise it is very easy to want to just you know run away from them Mm.
1: In the lineage of Paolo Freire's notion of the praxis cycle, which is a cyclical process between learning theory, putting that theory into practice, and reflecting on it, Grace and I are going to come back each episode to one of the conversations we'd had earlier, either to revise it or to expand on it, largely based off the reflections we have after we do it. So right now, Grace is going to return to being the grown up and I'm going to return to being the child. We're pretending it's the next day.
0: Hey, hi. I've, I've been thinking about you. Yeah, and I've been thinking about the conversation that we had the other day, where we talked about how Europeans came to this land. And you know, they were not interested in sharing and they made the decision and the choice to use guns and germs and diseases to kill millions of people who were on this land and taking care of it for thousands of years and I'm wondering you know, how did that information feel
1: it made me feel really sad
0: in my throat mm. yeah and a I, little bit in my eyes yeah, yeah. I think well, that's where I often feel sadness too, and I throw in my eyes. And it's amazing that you, you know, are listening to your body and you know exactly what parts were holding that sadness when you heard it. And I'm wondering if, you know, those parts of your bodies need anything. You know, if it, if that sadness needs to be taken care of in some way. I like when you sing to me. Um I love singing and I would love to sing to you and we could even sing together. I want to maybe we can when we go inside we can, you know, pick up some music and sing. And I, you know, I've been thinking about how big it is to try and imagine, you know, that kind of sadness that would come from so much loss. And, you know, we can't really know exactly how that feels or how it felt for indigenous people but um, I can imagine that if that happened to my ancestors and it happened to my family and my my people and my culture that I would feel super sad and angry and and a lot of I'd have a lot of feelings and I'm wondering like what can you imagine what that would feel like for you I would just be really wanting to cry.
1: Yeah. I feel like I would be so mad. That's not fair. It's not fair to use your guns. Guns are so scary.
0: It's not fair to use your guns like that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's not fair. And I think um, one of the ways that we can stop and kind of remember... You know, how unfair it was and um, that we support those people who had so much taken and endured so much loss is to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day.
1: Before we go, we would like to share two books that we both really love, as well as a website. The first book is The People Shall Continue. It's written by Simon Ortiz from the Acoma Pueblo tribe. And the story offers a version of histories of indigenous peoples on Turtle Island, beginning long before colonization, through first invasions of Europeans, and then up until
0: modern times the second book is when we were alone by David Robertson of the swampy Cree people it has gorgeous illustrations by Julie Flett and it is a beautifully rendered story of resistance and love and depicts a conversation between a granddaughter and a grandmother as the granddaughter notices different things about her grandmother and she describes you know how they changed those things changed when she was in the residential schools and um how through creative resistance she was able to take back pieces of herself and reclaim them when she got older
1: yeah grace i really really love that book that is one of my very very favorite books on earth across age across genre oh that book is stunning um so, in our, our last resource is a website that shows an incredible map of indigenous territories and language that is overlaid on top of um, a map of what is now the United States. And that website is native land.ca, N A T I V E C-A. At the end of every episode, we will sharing a definition of freedom. And today, Grace is going to share
0: that definition from author Mia Birdsong. This is from her book, How We Show Up. The American dream tells us that freedom is a state of being unburdened and unconstrained by others or systems. It's about having choices and being able to fully express ourselves. It's having the power to be who we want, go where we want, and do what we want. But we tend to understand it as an individualistic concept. This is where we have to expand our understanding to fold in what is actually an older understanding of freedom. In Liberty and Freedom, David Hackett Fisher explains that the word free is derived from the Indo-European priya, which means beloved. Friend also shares this common root with freedom. A free person was someone who was joined to a tribe of free people by ties of kinship and rights of belonging. Freedom was the idea that together, we can ensure that we all have the things we need, love, food, shelter, and safety. The way I've come to understand it, freedom is both an individual and a collective endeavor a multi-layered process, not a static state of being. Being free is in part achieved through being connected. Being free free is in part part achieved through being connected. connected, Thank you, Mia Birdsong. And thank you, everyone, for listening today. And this podcast, we are really grateful to have the skills behind a sound design and music from Echo Finch. And we invite all of you to be part of these conversations
1: we welcome feedback questions and would love to include moments from your own lives with children that you'd be curious to see us work through in the podcast grace and i also are community educators and we work with groups of teachers parents and caregivers so, if you're interested in working with us, um, or if you want to give feedback or scenarios for the podcast, please contact us through our website, thefullstoryschool.org, or by sending us an email at thefullstoryschoolgmail.com. All right, everyone, thank you so much. See you next week. Bye.
0: What does freedom mean?